Hello and welcome to StarCast from Planet Waves. My name is Eric Francis Coppolino, the host of Planet Waves FM and the author of the Planet Waves Horoscope, as well as the Inner Space Readings for 2023. Welcome. Apologies for the gap in StarCast programs. Um, as you may know, if you're a reader of my Substack, the news department has been unusually busy for uh, the past, I guess, 11 days or so, and I don't really have a lot of influence over when major stories break or how they pan out. Anyway, I am back um, with an astrology monologue here for you. Thank you for joining me. Um, so uh, the next major stop in the, um, in, you know, in, in the cycle of it all is the full moon, which happens on Sunday, the 5th of February, 2023. We haven't left there yet. Um, and uh, I would remind you that in the background of, of, of everything that is going on, and I'm going to keep saying this, is that uh, February is the kind of calm before the major transition of many different exchanges and interchanges and planetary movements, particularly of Mars, uh, finally wrapping up the entirety of its retrograde phase in, in Gemini, which I count going back to August 20th, 2022, the moment that it got into Gemini. The retrograde, of course, ended on January 12th, but then Mars has to work its way all the way back across Gemini, um, which is what it is doing, and that can have a diversity of, um, of of different feelings. And at the moment, Mars and Mercury are still in mutual reception, um, which means that they can change places. You can just switch their positions in the chart. So, for example, in the chart you've got uh, with this program, um, Mars is um, at 11 and change of uh, Gemini. Mercury is at 22 and change of Capricorn. And you can just uh, put Mars right where Mercury is and Mercury right where Mars is. There's a number of different ways to read a mutual reception. But here it's just, I think, really interesting. We've got both Mars and Mercury coming out of retrograde phases, both on the second shadow phase, both slow and powerful, and both in mutual reception. So uh, that that's... Um, a condition I, I don't ever remember seeing before. My notes aren't that careful that I would have uh, recalled that, but I, I just um, don't remember ever having written about that. So uh, th th this can represent various interlaced and interlocking situations and uh, various different mutual dependencies and is is a caution against any form of, of codependency in, in the you can't do much about codependency in the formal sense of the psychological DSM book, you know, where, where you know, you're you're pretty much a toast if um, if if you are, you know, technically codependent. But I mean more in the in the common use of of the word, um, where people are over dependent upon one another, over dependent upon one another, emotionally in in various different ways, and also um, in any kind of a situation where. There's no way to really pause things or uh, get a view outside of the um, the the internal universe of the relationship. There seems to be no other option. And I would say that if you find yourself in a situation like that, well, that is the time to find 
uh, the the new viewpoint to experiment until um, you know you've you've got another way of looking at things, and it can help to just simply ask uh, for another way of of looking at things. So, uh, looking at this chart, um, which is ex- exactly for the full moon, um, which um, is exact at. One uh, one twenty eight in the afternoon. So that means that at at sunrise on the fifth, the the full moon will rise. It'll be, it'll it's going to look pretty darn full all weekend. It takes quite a keen eye to see uh, that it's that it's not, uh, you know, like a day off or something like that. But anyway, uh, so we've got that whole weekend next weekend. And what is exciting about it is that this is a a full moon that is coincidental with the cross quarter of Imbolc. I M B O-L-C. This is in Christian mythology called Candlemas. It is also in a current cultural mythology, Groundhog Day. Valentine's Day also counts as an in-bulk type of holiday. Um, these holidays, feasts, and festivals tend to cluster around the when the sun is in one of the middle, is in the middle of the fixed signs. Uh, and and then we have um, all all of the winter holidays clustered around the winter solstice. So these natural solar turning points are um, you know n- noted by culture on all levels. Now, in case you're not familiar with what that is about, um, that we we know what the equinoxes and the solstices are. Those are when the the sun is making a right angle to one of the tropics, whether it's the Tropic of Capricorn when the sun enters Capricorn, the Tropic of Cancer when the sun enters Cancer, or the equator when, depending on uh, what time of year it is, the sun enters Aries or Libra. Okay, so at that midpoint of those holidays, say, for example, where, where we're approaching right now, the midpoint of the winter solstice, which was back in back in December, and the spring equinox, or the vernal equinox, which is uh, in uh, in late March, right at the middle of that uh, is, um, is, is a, called a midpoint in astrology. And that is at about 15 degrees of Aquarius. And those two are d- days that carry energetic potency and that are considered kind of natural ritual holidays, times for doing divination. And what is uh, humorous about Groundhog Day is as ridiculous as it is that, that uh, you know, CNN sets up its cameras in Puxatawney, Pennsylvania. I hope I said that right. And and waits for some critter to come, <laughs> come out of his hole to, to be met by, you know, more TV news crews than, uh, than um, Let's Go Brandon when he gets out of his helicopter. Um, they're doing weather divination. So we get a clue, meek and mild and unexplained clue, that these quarter days, the equinoxes and solstices, and the cross-quarter days in bulk, in the, in the case of uh, the mid, mid-winter holiday, and then uh, Beltane, the mid-spring holiday, Lunessa, the mid-summer holiday, and Samhain, Halloween, the, the uh, mid-autumn holiday, are also these points of, um, let's say, divinatory contact. And it's fun to follow them. Um, th- this is part of the roundel of the seasons. And if this topic turns you on, there's an excellent book called Celestially Auspicious 
occasions. I forget the author's name, but there's only one book by that title. Put it in quotes, and you'll find you'll pick up a used copy for a buck. Celestially Auspicious Occasions. It is absolutely fantastic. But Carol Burkhart, an old writer for Planet Waves, turned me on to it before I had a copy. I used to call her up and ask her to read to me from the book. That's how good it is. And you'll see that all of all of these um, kind of natural holidays are just these you know wonderful things, and that our culture still follows them. So now in this this time around, this year, 2023, we have a full moon with the sun very close to the midpoint of of Aquarius at, at that right at that midpoint. Now, the uh, the actual uh, in bulk holiday, well, actual is a question, but the actual midpoint is uh, I think around sometime on the 2nd or so. But if I were the court astrologer, which I sort of am, I would be saying, okay, but the time to plan the festival is let's say Saturday night ahead of the full moon on Sunday. So figure out where to make a fire or, you know, somebody, maybe, you know, somebody who's got a fireplace or maybe you can just light a bunch of candles. The The tradition of Candlemas, be careful, it's a fire hazard, is to take an inventory of your candles uh, in, in, you know, at this time of year, you're halfway through the winter uh, and if you have extras, you you light a candle in each window. So that's the tradition, and it's why the the Christian Church adopted it as Candlemas. Um, I had another thought in there. Ah, imbolc. The word imbolc. It's this is northern hemisphere ocentric. Is um, it, it means in the belly. So it's either or in the milk. So. It, it is a recognition that it is dark and we are in the belly of the stars. I've got a piece on Star IQ that if I can find it, I'll link to it. Um, one of my earliest pieces, maybe from 2000, um, and uh, it, it talks about this and quotes Donna Hennis, H-E-N-E-S, Celestial Auspicious Occasion. So meanwhile, at, while we're in the belly of the stars here in the dark, deep in the dark of winter, we have this glorious full moon right on, uh, right, right at this moment. So the uh, the cool thing about this full moon, and then I'll tell you a couple of other cool things about the chart because there are there are a few, there's always a few, but there's a couple of like really cool ones in this chart. Um, is that the full moon is square uh, the planet Uranus, and so that Uranus is sitting right at the midpoint of Taurus. Uranus right now is sitting right on the Beltane midpoint. That's the that's the goddess sex outdoor type of uh, ritual, um, you know, fucking in the fields basically to create fecundity and um, abundance. <laughs> okay, so um, the square of the sun to Uranus is uh, full of surprises. It means that there's going to be uh, – it's kind of one of those unexpected moments. In some way, though, um, all of these um, th- things about astrology that used to work so well now are uh, getting completely muddled by this everything all at once sensation that we live under, uh, under full digital conditions. And I really do need to say more about it, so I'll start right now, which is that it's very hard to tell the quality of one day from another day. It's It's very hard to see distinction among events to tell what is important and what is not important, what has meaning and what doesn't have meaning, because what the internet does is basically it it flattens everything out and makes everything equally meaningless. And I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a, 
perhaps uh, what uh, Marshall McLuhan would have called a P.O.B., a print-oriented bastard. That was his joke for people who who were stuck in a print mentality. I mean, I'm not terrible on the internet, but I do love print, and I have to say it must be very painful for any of the old-timer editors of, of the New York Times to, um, you know, realize how meaningless changing the front page of the New York Times is compared to when the paper came out and there was a major headline. It was an event. You held on to that paper and you looked at it and you read it and maybe you put it in a plastic bag and saved it for the grandchildren. And now it's like, everything's just completely a blur. That all said, Sun Square Uranus around the second is uh, that's you'd read that, you know, classically, you'd read that aspect is, ooh, some kind of an unexpected event. So this could function for you personally, it could work just fine and be, uh, be very exciting. Now we see another example of that in, um, in this very interesting pattern with Mercury. So if you can read the chart a little bit, you can see Mercury's little green guy with horns um, on, on, the, uh, on the right side of the chart, uh, up a little bit, we got a 22 next to it, and you'll see I've drawn two lines off of Mercury. One of the lines goes to Neptune, and one of the lines goes to Eris. So they're very different energies of these two planets. And the these the sextile, the one that's the Mercury to Neptune is a sextile, is a subtle but tangible moment of intuition. It is it is information. There's something that is solid about the sextile. And the contact of Mercury and Neptune is saying that there is incoming information. But the square of Mercury to Eris is saying, ah, but this could be something that seems subtle on, on one level, but is very significant and, and, and um, world-changing on another level. All right, so uh, we have that's that's often the case. You you figure something out, and it it is much more meaningful than you thought that it might be. Um, okay, so next thing is um, outstanding in this chart is the conjunction right at the very tippy top. You can see at the tippy top of the chart on the outer wheel it says seven o two right below that below that is Venus at twelve degrees of Pisces, and Nessus. At um, at fourteen degrees of Pisces, and so this is the Venus Nessus conjunction. That's still a few days off with this, but it is happening. It it is at uh, it is it is uh, pretty much at at full strength and is going to blossom. Now this is a um, th- this is an aspect that I will cover in more detail in an upcoming Tantra Studio. Now I've been doing those and. Um, by the way, they're they're all at planetwaves.net slash starcast. So I put the the most recent Tantra Studio versions of this, and I will dedicate uh, one or two Tantra Studio um, editions in these v- Nessus files, the Vesta Nessus files, to this aspect. So it's some deep, deep emotional stuff in there, and some deep stuff about. Um, wh- wh- what it means to be a woman, and and what the the necessity of responsibility that is, you know, described by Nessus, uh, I think the most brilliant um, key phrase for the centaur, not asteroid, centaur Nessus by Melanie Reinhardt, my dear, dear friend over in England, is the buck stops here. So there's a high degree of personal accountability for Nessus and also for being clear 
about your intent, being clear about what you want. When Nessus is in the picture, particularly in a sexual context, which it is with Venus in Pisces, that there is no room to be foggy or unclear about what it is that you want, what it is that uh, that you feel is um, is important and meaningful to you and what it is that you don't want. And so the, the, the lack of clarity around desire is often used to create a kind of a haze or a fog, and then things happen inside that haze or fog, and then the haze or fog clears, and someone says, oh, I didn't want that, therefore it's that other person's fault. That, that's not going to work with uh, with Nessus in in the picture. With with Nessus, the spiritual boomerang always comes back to you. Or, in the terminology of poker, the buck, meaning the buckhorn, stops with you, and you deal. Right, the buckhorn is passed around the table in poker, and where it, the next person who has it, deals the card. So you run the table when uh, when Nessus is. Um, is active. If you identify with this, then um, then it is about you. Um, Mars is still making many aspects. Uh, for example, right before this full moon, there's a Venus square Mars aspect. Venus square Mars is a um, that's a that's a big one. Now, what have I what did I promise to to link to earlier on? Ah, I promised to link to um, uh, in the belly of the stars. And then I'm going to find my fairly recent Venus Square uh, Mars article, which, uh, which, which goes through a diversity of interpretations of Venus Square Mars. I'm going to end with this. Venus Square Mars is um, it's a, it's a complicated and potentially troubling aspect. And what it is saying is to um, – it's saying that the danger zone – of sexuality begins the moment that sexuality ceases to be about creativity, sharing, friendship, feeling good, love, procreation, and working it out, and and becomes any form of a power trip where one person has power over another. Co- particularly combined with the upcoming uh, conjunction of, of Venus conjunct Nessus, uh, this is saying keep it loving keep it light. Uh, Your sexual resources are yours to share voluntarily. And that that is the thing to do with them or not if if you don't feel like it. So you either choose to share or choose to not. It's not about consent. It's about desire. It's about need, willingness, having something uh, special that is um, is is all your own that then becomes a mitzvah a blessing to someone who um, who may be on the receiving end of that so a, a, a generosity is called for with with, with Venus square Mars and with with squares um, and this one's going to be building for a while this all week really the squares um, are all about intense internal experiences that are, sometimes a bit too much and then therefore to to relieve the tension or the pressure the responsibility is projected outward okay that is what i have uh, to say to you on this evening um i'm uh, tomorrow on monday the uh, what day the 30th planning to uh, do the Aquarius studio reading uh, the capricorn studio reading is uh, is is fabulous and for all 
also available. And for all 12 signs, uh, there is the interspace reading. I'll make sure uh, that I link to where you can avail yourself of those. Um, these are very close to personal astrology readings for very little money. My astrology studio readings go for about $38. And I would say that they may get you even halfway uh, to where you, you would be if you did a personal consultation for uh, 10, 15 times that amount. And sometimes you get the one thing you need, and that's it. You have the green light. You have the insight, the understanding, the missing piece. And it's not about how long it takes. It can be a single sentence in a horoscope column that helps you turn the key. I mean, I've had this happen many times where I'm just handed one sentence. And I, I might, the astrologer I follow uh, the most closely, really the only one I care to read on the internet these days, particularly horoscope writers, is Sally Brompton. And um, sometimes one sentence can be like, oh, that's the thing to do. So that's why we do astrology. It's a very concentrated form of spiritual communication. And as Barbara Han Klaus said, it's one of the only methods to really bridge the spiritual and the emotional, just like that. All right, on that note, I will leave you with um, Zach Nugent, who's in the photo on the Substack edition of this. Uh, his bandmate, Daniel Sternstein, is uh, performing this uh, theme music for the inner space readings. The readings are as good as the music. Dan Sternstein taught me how to play. Uh, and almost all of my astrology teachers were musicians, Melanie Reinhardt included. All right, thanks for listening. Pleasure as always. You know where to find me if you need EFC at chironreturn.org. It's a nice quiet inbox. They all work, but that hardly gets any email. EFC at chironreturn.org. ORG. Thanks for listening. Bless and bye for now. Yeah.